Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Working Triathlete Podcast. Today, we are speaking with uh, Working Triathlete Elite Team members, Mitch Ott and Caroline Kaplan. So Caroline and Mitch, they both live in the Nashville area in Franklin, Tennessee, and they had incredible seasons this year, uh, capped off with excellent performances at Flash Daytona, which was the USA Triathlon National Championships uh, for for long course. And uh, Caroline was the overall female champion. So she is the, the national champion. And Mitch was uh, the second overall male and broke four hours for the first time. And both of them are taking their elite cards. So they're going pro next year. So they, it was a good way to cap off their their amateur racing seasons. And in this podcast, we want to talk about them, talk about their background, why they got into the sport, um, talk a little bit about their their progress and and how they trained this year and and how they raced. And we can get into the the nitty gritty a little bit. So, uh, Caroline and Mitch, welcome to the podcast. Would each of you? mind introducing yourself talk a little bit about where you're from what sports you did growing up how you got into triathlon whoever wants to start (laughs) yeah so i'm caroline i'm from lexington kentucky so i grew up there went to school at butler university in indiana but i grew up playing soccer and swimming so that was my background with sports Uh, but i always loved the endurance side of sports specifically um But then going into college, I was playing like ultimate frisbee and that I was still always being active and working out. But I walked on the track and cross country team my junior year. So but I had never run competitively, didn't even know what a 400 on the track was, but I fell in love with it. And so um, I only had like a year and a half competing there, but I progressed very quickly. So then upon graduating, I was just I really wanted to stick with that. And I'd always been kind of interested in triathlon at that point um never biked or anything so that's definitely been the newest but I knew I had the background in swimming so um kind of found a local coach back home when I moved back after college um and then just kind of started from there after about a year after graduating um just kind of started doing that got a little more and more competitive at first it was just kind of for fun and then um decided I wanted to take a little more seriously the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my background. <laughs> yeah. And Mitch. Yeah. So I'm originally from, uh, central Florida, born and raised here. Uh, I, my background kind of started in rowing. Um, so didn't necessarily grow up running or swimming at all. Um, so I was a rower for eight years throughout high school and college. And then, basically right out of college um well I guess to take a few steps back I graduated 2020 so my final season as a rower was kind of a wash yeah um going to championship season that that of course everything kind of crumbled so the the fire was still in me and I needed another another way to kind of stay stay at it so triathlon was kind of the next uh, adventure, I guess. So started to train in triathlon and started competing and found found out that I could be fairly competitive. 
and kept going with that. Um, and yeah, it's kind of what brought us brought us here. Uh, but I guess the way we met um, was a little over a year ago. Um, <laughs> we met where we used to swim. So where we would swim is Katie Way Pool uh, in Winter Park, Florida. We kind of saw each other around every once in a while, but, you know, didn't really talk at all. Um, and then one day after a swim, she was going for a run and I was also preparing for a run. Um, she was getting ready for 70.3 Augusta and I had just finished up Ironman Maryland from last year and asked her if I could join her on a run <laughs> and things kind of progressed from there. <laughs> I had recently moved to Florida at that point. So, yeah. So that's how the dynamic duel started. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And to um, be clear for new, new listeners or people who just don't know Mitch and Caroline, they are a couple. And, uh, <laughs> so it uh, it is good that you guys can obviously support one another and, and hold each other accountable. Uh, does, does that happen? Do you think it, it helps living with somebody who's trying to do similar things? Yes. Yeah. It's I'm been pretty perfect to me. Yeah, <laughs> it, it works out pretty well. I mean, we, we all, we, we do a lot of our like training together or, you know, if, if for whatever reason I have, you know, more intensity, then we'll kind of start the sessions together, maybe do the warm up together. But a lot of our training is, is together. It's just easier to plan and, and yeah. get, get the work done really. Even if we're not training, like doing the same session, it's still nice to have someone to start it with and, you know, get out the door and that kind of thing. And just the lifestyle in general is so important. And so, um, we're very much on the same page when it comes to sleep, nutrition, it's just structure in our day. And, um, so that's very helpful mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. I want, I want to talk a little bit about the structure in a minute here, or like just kind of like your daily routine, but I want to back up real quick because a lot of the listeners really enjoy learning or knowing about people's swim background because mm. a lot of people tend to, um, you know, have that, that that's their opportunity, you know, when mm -hmm. it comes to the three disciplines, but you both are, you know, competent swimmers and, uh, just want to back up and, and just have you guys share a little bit more about your entry to swimming in particular. And then, uh, we'll go from there. For sure. Yeah. So I, uh, I mean, I, of course, like I said before, I'd, I'd never really grown up swimming at all. I grew up, you know, in the water all the time. I mean, every weekend we'd do something water related, head out to the lake mm -hmm. or the river and, you know, splash around. But um, when I actually started swimming, like for triathlon, um, my whole first year of training for triathlon, it was all open water swimming. I didn't really know how to swim in a pool and do a workout, like a structured workout in the pool. It was always just head out to the lake and go for a, you know, thousand yard swim or something like longer distance. Um, and then over time, I guess, you know, it, it came on a little bit easier. I, I think I had an, a, a bigger understanding of how the water moves and how to work with the water just from rowing. Um, so having that background uh, and just, yeah, understanding the feel for the water um, was definitely a, a big benefit to me um, when I started to swim, but uh, it's definitely progressed a lot over the past, you know, two years, having more structured in the pool and uh, just repetitions and getting in the, the mileage, essentially. 
Yeah. And for me, I grew up a swimmer. So I started at a very young age, um, loved swimming, but, um, after and, and started swimming, like for my high school, like in middle school, you could do that. And then, um, I loved it, but then I started, I was more interested in soccer. So I kind of always did it cause I liked it, but more to stay in shape for soccer, but I never, um, I was always really naturally good when I was younger and then everyone else got better and I kind of just stayed the same because um, I was more interested in other things. But with that, I never really focused much on technique. I was always just kind of naturally good at it and I just relied on that. So then now um, I've kind of stayed the same for a while. So I've been really extra focused on actually thinking about my technique when swimming, because there's a lot that I can still work on and that's where I'm going to be able to get faster. Um, and so this season has been a lot of focus on that because I've, again, never once even thought about it. It was just kind of, I just swam and that's what I did. And, um, so that's already helped a lot. Um, cause I never really thought I could get much faster. So it's obviously technique at this point. So that's really been a big focus for me. And it was annoying because when I first met Mitch, I was faster than him and he's way faster than me now. So <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that, that that's good background. One thing that I think prevents many athletes from moving up and taking their elite license is the swim. Cause you have to be in a pack coming out of that, that, that water. And let's talk a little bit about, I think that the demands, what you did to improve, uh, you know, Mitch, I know that we did the CSS test back in February of this year. For, you know that's a 400 all out 200 all out um i think you average 115 pace for the 400 113 for the 200 and and at this point you, you can hold pretty much that for 1.2 miles in open water um in a wetsuit so that's something to that, that's notable you know 400 meters or 400 you know in a pool versus out in in open water but uh the the progress, everybody, they're look, they always look for shortcuts and they always look for, you know, a secret key that they can apply to improve their swim. However, it is the case that you just have to spend time in, in the water. And what would you, so, so what was your average, say, weekly, weekly volume? What did a typical week of swim training look like, uh, you know? over the past year that kind of enabled you to progress, like, like how many yards per week? Um, I think, I mean, I, it kind of gradually increased. We were pushing closer towards like 18K a week, uh, especially more recently towards the end of the season. Um, and that's kind of where I've seen the most progress in my swim was over the past like month and a half, two <laughs> months. Um, so, you know, gradually increasing the 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 time in the pool um but also you know you have to balance out the intensity um and making sure that you're of course hold holding form over over the the mileage but also adding intensity to it so i think i found the most increase so coming from that 115 uh, average 400 i've dropped it down to about a 110 i believe was the last css test um and then my my uh 200 was i think a little bit under that around 108 or mm -hmm. something so 
definitely have improved quite a bit more recently. And I think that's just the time in the pool. Um, I, it, it definitely makes it easier when you're hitting those, you know, 16 to 18 K weeks. Um, and just, you know, you, you maintain the feel for the water, uh, and, and increase your, uh, you know, durability when it comes to the intensity as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause I know that there were some kind of shoulder impingement issues that forced, uh, a more gradual, I think addition of overall swim volume. So it's, I mean, even in the water, <laughs> one has to be cognizant of, of limiting injury and, and, and increasing load appropriately. Certainly most triathletes can probably double or triple their swim volume and be perfectly fine. Um, but you know, I think, I think it's good for athletes to hear. I mean, the, the uh, very few pros are swimming, you know, much below 20 K a week. I think 20 to 25 K per week is, is standard and is par. And once you plateau, you know, certainly there are form flaws that if addressed can lead to immediate gains, but you can't ignore the value of time in the water. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, that's really important. Um, yeah. And for me, my volume was also increased a lot. Like I've definitely been doing the longer swims, um, but also having specific days um, kind of dedicated to focusing on form has helped me. Um, and so then on the day, I'll usually, for example, might have like a higher volume day on Monday with longer endurance intervals, but then Wednesday might be a little more form focused Friday, more speed work. And so having, and that's just kind of a example of maybe a normal week, but, um, and overall the volume of those are longer, but then just with those wins or those days where I'm focusing on form, remembering to use that when I get to my Friday speed work and that kind of thing, but just being a little more intentional with the swims themselves has really helped me as well as increasing volume with that. So that's just one other side note. Yeah. And then kind of rolling off of this concept of swim volume, let's touch briefly upon overall volume and, and load. So, you know, a, in a given week, say in the middle of a 70.3 race specific build, uh, where was your, what was your volume? Um, you know, in hours per week, approximately. Um, I think, um, probably, probably got up to 20, 18, 18, 20 would probably be the peak. Um, and that's still with doing strength training at least like probably like four days a week, nothing long, but just stuff to stay healthy specifically. Um, but yeah, I think we got up to probably 20 hours a week. Yes. Yeah. 18 to 20, 18 to 20 is usually where kind of where we reach so. reached out and i mean I, that, that puts it around you, you know i guess for for to break it down by by each sport um of course that 18k around 18k swimming um time on the bike you know that kind of ranged from let's say six to eight eight and a half hours a week uh, and then run mileage around, you know, upwards of 40 miles a week. That's kind of on the higher end. Um, and then like, like Caroline was saying, additional strength work um, throughout, 
throughout each week. I didn't, I maybe do one or two, two days a week with strength. Um, hers was more for kind of injury prevention and maintaining. You, if yeah. You want to talk about that? Yeah. I just find, I've, I mean, I've always been really into strength training, but I find it's the first thing to let go when your volume starts to increase with training and it's the most important time that I need to be doing it. So I've just found that even though the volume is still high, I like, I need to do it. Even if it's 20 mm -hmm. minutes, I mean, um, that's helped a lot. Just the simple, simple, basic things it's for injury prevention, mostly. So I still add in that pretty regularly. Yeah. This is a good thing to touch upon a little bit for sure. Uh, especially in the off season, it's a great opportunity to spend a little bit more time on strength work so that you can kind of armor up and be durable before the the meat of the racing season arrives. But to your point, everybody, I think Avin is looking for this elaborate periodized strength training sort of progression. And certainly there's, that can be helpful, but when you're training for three sports, you're juggling a bunch of things, oftentimes we have to consider progress over perfection and focus on the best return on your energy investment. Because mm -hmm. in an ideal world, so even if you're not time strapped, <laughs> you are energy strapped. So if you're going to be doing something and you're going to be burning kilojoules, like correct calories, you need to be doing the right things. And as triathletes, we need to be strong. Strength training should be an important component of a good balanced plan. But athletes, I think they need to focus on the the core movements and just doing something consistently. And, and it doesn't need to be the 60 minute session, this 90 minute session, but you know, everybody should be integrating strength into their routine for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that you work at, uh, you coach at Orange Theory. Mm -hmm. So I know that you are immersed in that sort of that. I mean, they do a lot of strength work there, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Very, very intentional strength work. Yeah. It's, and I've been a personal trainer since I was 18, but I, so I know the importance of that, but then, you know, it's very different when it comes to what we're doing. I'm not going to spend, yeah, 60 to 90 minutes in the gym. Cause that just wouldn't make sense, but it's still very important. So just, yeah, again, just the basics, like 20 minutes, a lot of core focus, hip glute strength, um, but nothing crazy, but I, I find more frequent shorter sessions are better for me and just work better with my time and energy than it would be even twice a week for longer. So that's what I have found works, works well. Good, uh, good stuff. Um, and so I know that just talking about sort of balancing it all the, so talk a little bit about maybe how you guys balance training, you know, approximately just call it 20 hours a week with, with work and other, other demands. Um, you know, it's, it requires certainly a lot of discipline getting the work in, and it sounds like you guys certainly support each other, but I don't know. Do you have any, any tips or tricks on how to balance? Yeah. I mean, I think, so when we, when we first moved to Nashville, it was all about, you know, narrowing down what our day-to-day -day looked like and how we were going to fit in training with work, with life. Um, and uh, we quickly, 
you know, found a balance. And I think it's all about just consistency um, between the day to day. I mean, even our weekends look just the same as our weekdays, uh, even though we might may or may not have work that day. Um, it's just about keeping everything consistent. That way we know, you know, if, if one day looks different in training than the other, we can narrow down what we did differently on that day that we wouldn't have normally done and kind of, of course, address that um, if there's any issues with that, day, with that day. But, you know, when it comes down to, um, of course, getting the training in, I'm usually a first thing in the morning kind of guy. You know, I, I have to knock it out right away, at least one session. Um, and that kind of sets me up for the, the course of the day. So, you know, getting up at five or 5.30 and just, you know, get a, a small little snack in and then straight to work. That's kind of my my protocol. Caroline takes a little bit. She likes her mornings, uh, likes to kind of scheme and dream, as she calls it. <laughs> That's awesome. And then, and then she'll eventually get into her work, um, her workout for the day. Uh, and then it also just depends on our schedule. Mine's a little bit more consistent. Uh, the, I wouldn't start, you know, going to work until around 930. Um, and then she has different classes at different times at different days of the week. So she, we just have to kind of, you know, schedule around that when we do our workouts. Um, and then, you know, what we eat, we eat the same thing every, every morning <laughs> for the past. What is years. it? It's always oats with banana and peanut butter and, and chia seeds. And chia seeds. Yeah. yeah. And a little salt. We add more salt. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes I'll put a like a plant-based protein powder a little bit for yeah, flavor but, and protein. But every day, like yeah. we feel lost without it. Yeah. Same thing every morning. We make it happen wherever we are. Um, and then I kind of stray when it comes to to lunch. Um, but again, Caroline, same thing every day for lunch. <laughs> Um, and then dinners are, are fairly consistent, uh, and it's either a variation of pasta or a variation of a grain, a, bowl. a grain bowl with rice or, or quinoa or whatever it is with a lot of veggies. Yeah. So and, an uni pizza oven, we have an uni pizza oven. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I will say I am, I am fully plant-based. Um, Mitch is, we call him vegan-ish. So he, <laughs> for the most part because we cook together. So we make a lot of things, obviously vegan, but he'll add meat. Like if we go out to eat or maybe add meatballs to his pasta or, or he'll use butter, um, sometimes. So, but, but that's, yeah, that's an 85% of my diet. Is yeah. Plant-based at this point. <laughs> yeah. But we do eat very healthy and we, we cook and make everything. And, um, that's, you know, and we're really consistent with that. And we are pretty disciplined when it comes to nutrition. So that's obviously huge when it comes to training. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And then continuing off of that, I mean, we go, we look at the clock when it gets towards the end of the day. And once it comes around eight, eight o'clock, that's when we're, we're, like, we're ready for, <laughs> to be in bed. So that consistency of just getting up at the same time every day and going to bed at the same time every day, you know, it, it helps in the long term when it comes to recovery and absorbing the training because doing the work is one thing, but you know, recovering and actually absorbing the training helps tremendously when it comes to progressing um, and just integrating it into our day-to-day -day lifestyle. Um, it's that's kind of how we found our our groove over the the past five or six months, and 
made, you know, quite a bit of progress over the second half of the year. Yeah. And there's one of the things, said, oh, sorry. I say, there's something to be said about being a creature of habit because you know how your body's going to respond to the, the same meals you eat and obviously timeline of every day. Uh, going to bed at the same time every day is always really helpful because it sets yourself up for the next day and, mm-hmm. you know, wake up at the same time every day, not going to miss any workouts. Yeah. And then you wake up feeling, even though it's very early, I feel fully rested. So it's not like that's setting me back by waking up early. It's, I've still gotten a full night of sleep. So, um, and I'm a morning person, so I, I like it. <laughs> but one other thing I was going to say with like the work-life balance, we both have pretty, you know, non-traditional jobs where we've kind of set it up that way. Like as an orange three coach, I coach three to four classes in a row, but I'm not there nine to five. So that's obviously helpful with like the flexibility. I coach usually five days a week, but again, I'm not there all day. It's a very, very high energy job. So that is one thing like I've over like the seven years of coaching, trying to find the balance of how many I can coach while still having enough energy for training, um, while still making money. So like finding that like minimum that I can do to, you know, devote the rest of my time to training. And that's been, been helpful. And then in moving, I mean, I guess we'll tell him what you do. He works at Fleet Feet. And so just kind of finding the right balance of hours, Mm -hmm. which that works with our training schedule has been the priority, but just we're good with like the minimum and (laughs) just enough to be comfortable when it comes to what we make. But eventually we want to be able to cut that down to devote more time to training and obviously making money as professionals. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, that is, that's great background. Um, and it's, it's certainly a, it's always challenging to, mm-hmm. for athletes to, to juggle everything, especially in, in triathlon. Um, but you know, you, you, you guys obviously do a great job of it and, the it seems like the the rituals and the routine is is certainly a good thing. But one thing I wanted to emphasize is how you guys start your mornings. It sounds like it's it's different, and and that is a good thing to to point out. Like everybody mm-hmm. has sort of a different rhythm that is optimal for them. Uh, it sounds like you know Mitch is more of the uh, Admiral William McRaven type of school where he's the make your bed first thing guy so that you accomplish the first task of the day and get the ball rolling and, <laughs> and, and you knock it out, um, which is good. And that, that helps sort of get the, uh, that reward system going and, and motivation going. But there, there's also Carolina, like, what did you guys say? How did you define? My morning, my morning is my scheme and dream time. Scheme so and dream time. I like to wake up and I do, I like, I just do like some mobility just because my back and um, have my coffee and then I'll get out my computer and just like, okay, what am I going to research today? Or what am I going to dream about today? And just like plan. And then he'll come back and I'm like talking a mile a minute about something I'm excited about. And yeah. So anyway, that's, I love that about my morning and then I'm ready to go train. So that's kind of how I like it. If I have the time, some morning. You got to give us an example. What? We got to hear an example of one of these uh, scheming dreams. Um, well, more recently, it's been uh, what what color bike am I? Yeah, <laughs> it's important. Or, it's what important companies question. can we have? Yeah, to work with or yeah, you know, 
just any sort of like equipment that we could potentially get it's it's like you know somewhat realistic somewhat unrealistic yeah. but you know and even like or if we have a a race coming up I'll like you know look into Airbnbs research things around the air I don't know things like that that I get excited about but yeah bikes have been big on my radar lately um yeah sponsors is on our mind so like mm -hmm. just thinking about the possibilities of things and then like races coming up we so we just kind of geek out about the sport in general but <laughs> that's kind of what I like to devote my mornings to <laughs> yeah so we should talk about that in a minute here but um, I want to back up and you know ask you guys about your goals going into 2023 you know what were your goals for this year um looking back now you know do you think it was a successful year for yourselves and then looking into 2024 uh, what kind of goals do you have as you guys approach the season? Yeah, so 2023, I definitely, overall, I just wanted to improve a lot in a way that I can see myself being competitive as a professional and just seeing if that could be like truly um, a realistic possibility, even though I knew I wanted to do that. But anyway, to be more specific, I definitely wanted to bring my bike up. I needed to improve in that for sure. Um, I feel like that was the biggest opportunity for growth for me because it's just always been the newest and I've been the least comfortable on it. And um, that I've seen a huge improvement. Um, but then also with the swim, because like we were talking about, or like you mentioned in the beginning, how in order to be a professional, you have to be right there and in, in, in the swim, like with the packer, you're gone once the bike starts. So I really wanted to lift those two up um, a lot. And I feel like I've seen that progress for sure. Um, and I wanted to get an overall win. That was a big goal for 2023. And I was able to accomplish that twice. So that was a big, big thing for me. Yeah. So talk a little bit about your wins. So your first big win that was at uh, what? 70.3 Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. That was my first win. Um, I went in really wanting to win too. And knowing that I could, if everything, if I just, you know, executed, how we planned and um what I felt like I was capable of and it kind of just it just went that way and everything went very well it was good conditions it was a flat fast course um and everything I you know wasn't dealing with any injuries at that time and everything was kind of pretty ideal um which obviously doesn't always happen but that was a pretty dreamy day um and then I, then I had, I went to worlds, um, 17.3 and that's when I was starting to experience a little bit of an injury, very, very beginning and travel really stressed me out. I hadn't traveled overseas for racing and we were not there early enough. And, um, you know, those are all little excuses too, but it, it was definitely an eye opener for when we are racing as professionals and travel is going to be big. And so that was a big learning experience more than anything. Um, and so then I was, you know, since then was dealing with you know, trying to heal um from kind of a back type of injury um and then anyway was able to do that and just last week we had clash daytona as you mentioned and um i got the overall win there as well so that was a good way to end my season and then what was your time there uh 425 09 i think Yep. 
And before we jump over to Mitch, um, I guess talk a little bit about 2024, how are you going to measure success and uh, what kind of goals you have for this season ahead? Yeah, um, so I think it's going to be a big eye-opener that first that first pro race, but just because I think it is going to be, it's going to feel a lot different just with um, being able to actually race with more females. Like I find myself in no man's land all the time as an amateur um, and being able to race more with like respond to the dynamics of the race better and not like you were saying, not just like time trial. And um, I think just a big goal is to find a pack in the swim. That's where it's going to start and go from there. And then just try to hold my own as best as I can with, with a pack on the bike and then run my run. I mean, it's just, so I think it's just going to be a lot, a lot of learning the first year. And I'm very aware of that. And I think I'm also, while trying to be as competitive as possible right away, I'm also like, I'm acknowledging that it's, I'm essentially going to be going from the top to the bottom. So I think that's going to be a big change, but like, again, I'm aware of it. And I know that the first year is just going to be learning and doing my best, but um, trying to get as competitive as possible, as quickly as possible. So I guess goals wise, I think it's just more um, learn as much as I can and uh, start the swim in a pack. That would be my main Thing, try to get out of the water with the pack. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really healthy and strong mindset and uh not putting a tremendous amount of pressure on the on yourself as it relates to the outcome in the first couple of pro races, I think is a productive exercise, but certainly being ready to to compete is is important and you have the tools obviously to to do well and but it has to be an individual you have to just think about it in terms of you getting the most out of yourself and not worrying about comparison with the pro field because the dynamics are much different and we can talk about that and you know it takes a, a race or two i think to to understand how the the tactics and, and race strategies are 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 different and, and we can certainly talk about that um in a bit but what about what about you, Mitch? Talk a little bit about your some really strong races that you uh, you had this year, and and what you're excited about focusing on next year. Yeah, so I I raced four times this year. Um, I started the season in Chattanooga, um, where you know definitely felt as fit as I had been up to that point while racing triathlon um and ended up i think like a place fifth at that race so top five finish i was happy with that um but there was definitely a lot of pieces missing um which is kind of still a continuing theme in uh in nutrition i've always kind of battled nutrition and making sure i stay stay on top of that especially as it comes towards the later stages of the the run uh usually just kind of falls apart a little bit um, and then going into 70.3 Ohio, um, again, similar to Caroline, I was really motivated to kind of crush that race and, and just go for it and see, see what, what happens. And 
you know, after coming out of the swim towards the, towards the front of the race, I just, you know, did just that. I went, went after it on the bike and it was, you know, you know, just a, a, a solo time trial, um, at the, at the front of the race, um, for the entirety of the bike. And, uh, I think I, I biked a 206, um, on that day and then pretty much solo <laughs> yeah so <laughs> yeah um started off the run uh and felt you know decent it's just you know the lack of focus on nutrition again kind of caught me and towards the later stages of the of the run uh kind of crumbled again and fell back into a third towards the end of that race so again you know not a bad finish i ran a or i finished with a 402 and change on that day um so not bad by any means but again not to the full extent which i i think i'm capable of um so going into 70.3 augusta that's one thing that i wanted to just absolutely nail and focus on um and again came out you know towards the the front of the race after the swim and found the front pack on the bike and was cruising pretty good um I kind of kept it fairly moderate towards the beginning of the bike which wasn't kind of traditional I just wanted to work with the guys to actually you know save the legs a little bit for the run um and really focus on on taking in nutrition uh and then we actually got caught on the bike which I was not expecting at all um by by a chase pack so towards the end of the like the the, the last quarter of the bike um, it was just a big, big group of guys, which I was not prepared for and not anticipating. Um, but, you know, once once we came into T2 and out onto the run, um, I felt, you know, really good. And, um, you know, I, again, just kind of ran, ran away from them um, and stuck with my nutrition. And I, I think overall it was it was a good execution. Um, I would say like the last mile maybe fell off quite a bit, but um, improved my time to around a 401. Uh, so I was definitely motivated to go sub four in Augusta. Um, so just short of that. Um, but then we we kind of looked back on the, the past few races going into Clash Daytona um, and decided that maybe a you know, some VO2 work in the pool and on the run to kind of push up the, the, the top end, high end fitness, um, and, you know, work on, work on that side of things. And, you know, I, I know the course, it was my first middle distance drive back in 2020. Um, it's where things kind of started. There's a little bit of changes to it going into this year, but, um, yeah, I was really poised to, to take the win here um and again I was just you know I felt fell back to my my old ways and and uh kind of sideline nutrition wasn't prepared going into the race and you know it got to me so it's it's definitely one thing that you know I'll, I'll keep in mind going into next season and just you can't you can't ignore it it'll it'll come back to bite you at the end um but you know, still had a decent time, um, finishing 359.05. So it went sub four, 
um, off of a, you know, pretty tough run. It, it was hot and humid. It got to everyone on the day. Um, so, you know, finishing second was, was a tough, tough pill to swallow, but yeah, it's, it, it was still a good, good lesson. And, um, I think that's what this year was all about was just, you know, testing the limits, testing what you can do in, in each discipline and really, you know, get yourself into some uncomfortable situations to see how, how your body handles it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think going into next year and taking the pro card, you know, it's going to be about, uh, taking what we learned and what we did this year and how our bodies responded to different training and different stimulus to, to, you know, continue progressing and, uh, use that in, in, in racing. That's, uh, that's a good point. You know, I think that part of what the last year of racing as an amateur should be, would be just really dialing in and, and thinking about what, uh, what are the areas to improve upon? And, uh, for you, I mean, it's, it's, it's clear that nailing nutrition and really rehearsing nutrition and training is, is important. And I think it, it was night and day from the beginning when, <laughs> you know, of the year when you would finish a long ride and all of your bottles would be full. Um, <laughs> so it is, you've definitely come, come a long way and know, know what to do. And, uh, uh, it's, it's nice to know exactly what has to be done to, to reach the next level. And that's sort of the, the final piece, just being focused and vigilant on, on that. And that's, uh, uh, but looking ahead, um, what, what are your early season plans as it relates to racing as a professional and, and what are you excited about? So we, uh, we, wanted to kind of of course debut together that was something important that we had decided on um and uh caroline did saint anthony's try last year olympic distance try and uh we thought that might be just a good way to get into it um kind of test test what we've done in the off season um and kind of not necessarily you know, jump into a, a 70.3, that's going to be a packed field. Um, but kind of test our, our, our first pro debut on a, on a smaller scale and then almost ease into, uh, racing into a, a 70.3 mm -hmm. distance. Yeah. And that's in St. Pete, Florida as well. So kind of bringing it back again to familiar territory and yeah, with the limit distance. And I, it was, yeah, my first, the, place I first qualified for my pro card last year. And then, um, and it's still competitive, like Paula Finlay and Jason West won last year. So it still brings in a couple, you know, top tier pros, but it still feels a little bit lower key. And um, last year was also turned to a duathlon because the swim was canceled. So I'm looking forward to doing that one again as professional. Um, yeah. For the Olympic. And then, and I think then we're going to um, do our first 70.3 at Chattanooga um, one, because it's super close to home and it's a big team race. So um, it will be very competitive, but I think that one will be really fun to do. But as far as after that, 
we don't quite know yet, but I think those will be our first two. Yeah, two great debut races. And um, when we think about this first couple of pro races, um, talk a little bit about how you think the race dynamics will differ. Um, you know, what, what things do, you know, does a professional have to kind of worry about or think about or contemplate that an amateur perhaps doesn't? Yeah, I think the, um, just the start of the swim, um, everyone starts together. Whereas as an amateur, you kind of seed yourself typically, and it's a roll or it's like a, um, or a rolling start or a wave start. And you have no idea where you are in the race pretty much at any time, unless someone's giving you information. So I think just the biggest difference is going to be starting with everybody, you know, exactly where you are, you know what you need to do. Um, and yeah, I think that'll be the biggest thing, biggest difference. Yeah. You gotta, you're going to have to make a pack in the swim. Um, cause you don't want to be kind of left out behind starting the bike mm -hmm. and not having anyone to essentially work with on the bike. Um, if you find yourself out in no man's land in the pro field, then that's where you are the rest <laughs> of the day. Um, so essential to stick with, with the first or second pack in the swim, um, and then find yourself with a group coming onto the bike. Um, uh, and then from there, it's really just, you know, finding if you can find the front of the race or towards the front of the race, that way you can set yourself up for a, a decent run. Mm -hmm. and the two races too that you guys are going to debut in st anthony's and chattanooga will obviously have different dynamics based on the distance have you guys thought about how each of those races will change with the, the pro field and the dynamics there yeah i mean well i guess first thing is you know it could be completely different from the the swim perspective where it's an ocean water probably non-wetsuit at St. Anthony's um and you know in Chattanooga it's downriver yeah. <laughs> wetsuit swim um so you could find yourself kind of with a, a larger pack of athletes uh, in Chattanooga I, I would say just the the field size in general is going to be much bigger mm -hmm. in Chattanooga um so you know whether that's a benefit to where you're you're likely going to find yourself with a group no matter what um because there's going to be a, a range of of athletes at at, at a, a wider spread level i guess whereas san san anthony's smaller field size um you know it's likely that you might have less people around you in the swim or less people around you starting the bike um, so I would say that's the the bigger difference is, is mainly just the the field size um, and who you could potentially like line up with it, uh, throughout the race. Yeah. And then just with the different distances themselves, I think will also be interesting just because with an Olympic, there's a lot less room for air. Um, you don't have as much time to catch up. <laughs> like I know for me with the run, it's always like, there's a little bit more time. That's more of my strength. Um, but there's not going to be that time with an Olympic distance. It's just going to be fast from, I mean, it's always going to be fast, but you know what I mean? It's just more like, it'll be, um, a lot more 
imperative to have a group immediately and just go as hard as you can the whole time. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's a good point. And one thing I think that a lot of uh, first time pros are surprised with is how quickly everything happens at the pro level, everything from transitions. Uh, th there's just very little room for error. And there is a massive benefit to having the ability to remain hyper-focused the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not only in the water, I mean, there's that takeout, you have to be ready to go pretty hard from the gun and be okay swimming right on the rivet and then recovering and, 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 and just relaxing in that pack to the extent possible. But, you know, it, it's hard from the gun and on the bike, especially the dynamics are completely different. Um, the athletes are, everybody's a strong cyclist and there is a, a massive benefit to being in a bike pack. You can put out substantially fewer Watts and go faster. Uh, but it's, it's more similar to a true, say draft legal bike race than a, uh, than maybe compared to if you're racing the amateur field in a non-draft race, like, like racing as a pro, you do get a draft benefit even at the legal distance. And if you zone out, you're going to get dropped and it's going to be really hard to, to catch back up. So the intensity of the, uh, um, I, I guess execution of the little things and the importance of being focused is, is, is really, really important. Everything is, is basically on, on fast forward when you're, uh, a pro. So that, that's something to think about and, and polishing off those little things and just being ready for that, I think helps, helps a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, I think that you guys are, are, are debuting at, at a perfect, perfect race. And, and Chattanooga is also going to be really, really fun. Um, so, you know, when you think about your journey, uh, and your ability to move through the amateur ranks and, and, you know, turn into viable pros, what advice would you give others looking to, kind of move up through the the amateur field get to the the pointy end of that and then take the their elite license i think one of the biggest things like we were talking about earlier is just having that consistency in the day-to-day -day. i mean you have to allocate the time uh, unfortunately there is a level of um a level of like sacrifice sacrifice yeah mm -hmm. that you have to give up time and and potentially you know limit well not limit but you know take away from uh certain aspects of either relationship or or you know time that you spend with family or social life. yeah social mm -hmm. life uh just to allocate it towards recovery and and actual work and your hobbies other hobbies mm -hmm. that you have um, so yeah, sacrifice is a big thing. Um, if you, if you actually want to make big progress and potentially, you know, get to a level where you're, you're racing professionally and then having that consistency and really paying attention to your body and how it responds to different, uh, different things like different metrics, what you eat, your sleep, um, that's what I think. Yeah. One thing I will touch on, like, because we give up so much and I wouldn't say give up, like I was going to say our social life 
it's really important to have a team like working triathlete because they've become also our social life too. So it's kind of nice to have, like, even though we don't necessarily go out on weekends and that kind of thing, we still have that group and community aspect with something we'd be doing anyway. And so then you get that boost and it makes you super fulfilled. Um, and of course you just have to love it. Like we, at least speaking for myself, I genuinely love getting up and having that structured training every day. I enjoy the sessions. I love pushing myself and, um, I wouldn't change a thing. So I think the idea of making money from something I love and, um, doing anyway is very important. So I think just making sure it is something that you genuinely enjoy. And then the dedication just kind of is a little bit more natural, but it, you definitely have to be disciplined for sure. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's a, on, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, that's a really interesting point. Like you got to love it. Otherwise it's going to become something that you don't enjoy over time. And, you know, even when you have a goal in mind, focusing on the process and the day-to-day -day mm -hmm. is what's going to get you to that, to that goal. You know, if you look at down the, down the road and you have this goal of becoming a pro or, or whatever it may be, and you can't fall in love with the process, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle all the way through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one other thing, like, as it's almost like as an amateur, you have to focus even more on it because you're, you are working another job. So then the recovery and the way you structure your day becomes even more important because you like, there's so you're doing even more than a normal pro would do. They're doing all the training, but then they're not going to their job. So it just, yeah, it's, I think at first it's a, it's a lot to balance, but if you love it, it, it doesn't make it feel as it doesn't make it feel like, um, a burden, if that makes sense. Yeah. Kind of, if you, if you love your job, you're never going to work a day in your life yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've gotten to a point where it's so integrated into our lifestyle and our day-to-day -day that it's just, you know, without it, it's kind of, <laughs> you know, we don't know, yeah. <laughs> we don't know how we would spend our time. Yeah. Here we're like, where is, why do we have so much time? Like what, <laughs> what do we do? What do, we do? <laughs> do you want to play back in again? <laughs> <laughs> That's so, <funny>. yeah. <laughs> good. Well, uh, we should just do some rapid fire questions so that people can get to know you maybe a little bit more. Um, so I'm just going to throw them out and then you can maybe each answer them. Um, and then you can hop in, Derek. I just have a couple. But okay. uh, so what? what is your favorite meal? Now we're in the off season. What What do you indulge in that maybe you don't during the uh, the actual season, if anything? Um, I love a good Beyond Burger and fries. Good and one. I would say, I would say, Mexican food. I mean, oh, yeah, we, we, again, we kind of like, we wanted to eat healthier after we stopped. <laughs> yeah, we because... still crave healthy food. <laughs> that's, that's good. A hundred percent. That's good. Carb loading. Yeah. And just eating a bunch of carbs. I and now we're like, that. all we want is salads. And our first, food. our first meal was just a big salad. I was like, I'm so sick of carbs. I'm so sick of just like, <laughs> how many more carbs do I need? Am I getting enough carbs? Which is the opposite of most people. But yeah, we were just craving some healthy food for a while so. so that's that's interesting i mean that's i think that's it's good to talk about it a little bit even though these are rapid fire questions yeah i know <laughs> creating good good points of discussion 
the uh, uh, it seems like you guys eat very healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is the case that when one eats just healthy day to day, that that becomes the foods that you actually want. Mm-hmm. And it isn't that exciting eating crap. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like it's the the off season rolls around and people are like, oh my gosh, this is my you know time to actually indulge in in alcohol yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. uh, greasy food and things like that. But I mean, the truth is. Maybe you don't you don't want that. It's like yeah. sometimes like the, your sweet tooth. If you're not eating sugar all the time and you're not addicted to it, it's like it's almost like eating pineapple is a dessert, or eating yeah, that's like, enough. <laughs> a bowl of fruity pebbles is better than ice cream or something. Uh, or that, that's yeah. how I'm but uh, that's yeah. The main thing that's changed for us is truly just like not having to focus on getting enough carbs. That's the, been the main thing and just kind of but eating what sounds good to us which typically is just good healthy food (laughs) because we feel better so yeah that's a good point important to connect nutrition to to how you feel Mm -hmm. it is it is so important and real and i think a lot of people don't don't realize it Mm -hmm. their food is making them a little bit sick yeah um cool well what is uh do you guys have any good books you read recently I'm, I started reading, well, so if you have heard of Boys in the Boat, it's the, the story about the Washington crew who ends up rowing at the Olympics in mm-hmm. 1926, I believe. But anyway, every be, being a rower, everyone's always asked if I've read the book. <laughs> and for years, I just haven't. So I decided since there's a movie coming out, I might as well read the book. So I started reading that. And uh you know never really thought it would have been that great of a story but it's i'm about halfway through and it's it's a very very good story and uh a good book to read for sure so i definitely recommend that and we're seeing the movie on christmas um (laughs) and i'm reading indoor so um yeah it's been i i I really really like it just a lot of it's very sciencey but um and it also obviously like applies to our what we do every day so it's very interesting to me and i've always loved that kind of stuff so good both the great books i think we read both of those what two years ago conrad with the team and yeah, uh, those were book mm. club books yeah boys in the boat though was an incredible book and i know like you mentioned a movie's coming out and i saw the like the avatars and then i think this morning when i was opening up my phone and i'm sure it'll be a great movie as well but an incredible story of, of hardship and how to overcome it and it's pretty pretty awesome and obviously as a rower yourself i'm sure you're going to connect the dots with a lot of those guys yeah it's it's hard to capture like what it actually what goes through your brain what it actually means to to row with a group of guys or just a group mm-hmm. in a crew and i think they did a, a really great job going into the the minds of a rower and what it actually takes and the level of discipline uh, that's kind of necessary in the different different aspects psychologically. And it's, yeah, it's similar, I think, to maybe running track or cross country at, at a high level or swimming at a high level as part of a team, you know, where you're traveling and, and yeah, those aren't team sports, but there are certainly team elements of, of, of teamwork that kind of go into performance and you you train with athletes you work together trying to help each other progress and you know the book definitely did a good job boys in the book they they did a good job capturing i think the 
the nerves and the commitment and the sacrifice and, and all of this that we've been talking about, but yeah, really cool book. Um, I'm excited to see, see the movie. Maybe we should have a, a team event, uh, where we all go to Green Hills theater or something to watch it. No, that would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, good. And then, uh, another rapid fire question. Um, do you so do you guys watch any any TV shows or TV series? Well, Ted Lasso, but it's not <laughs> happening right or it's that's it's relevant right for training and performance, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of wisdom yeah. in that. Yeah. Um that's pretty much it. I yeah. mean, we we watch things every once in a while, but again, we get towards the end of the day, we like wash the dishes after dinner, we sit on the couch, and then like two we'll minutes start later, five minutes and Two out. minutes later, it's like getting close to eight o'clock and we're ready to get ready for bed. <laughs> <laughs> we're very lame. <laughs> yeah, we, li we live like 80 year olds. We're, we gotta That's what it takes. Bed. That's okay. No later than five o'clock yeah. in bed for eight. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, do you have one, Derek, or no? Yeah. Uh, what type of pre-race rituals do you guys have? Oh, yeah. Um, I always do my race nails. So right now they are, it's ladybug themed. Oh. Um, from this week, because my bike's name is Ladybug. Um, so usually it has something to do with my either matches my bike or matches my kit or something with the race venue or area or something, some kind of connection. And um, yeah, so I always do that. That's one big thing for me. Do you have one? I, I mean, I just take a lot of time to wash my bike in detail. <laughs> he becomes very not fun to very, be around. Very OCD. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And constantly like replaying like you know how i'll go through the race like mm -hmm. imagery and imagining the race scenario uh and that kind of of course just pumps up my heart rate and it's like yeah then i can't sleep <laughs> i do the same thing yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I suppose so you talked about the scheme and dream a little bit about bike colors what bike color is on the top of your list right now for a new bike you know, I, which it's very unlike me, but I've been looking at just a black bike, but, um, with like a pretty either, um, like chrome letters or, or a brighter color, but I have a very bright, flashy pink and orange, like fusion color right now. And I love that. And colors is more my vibe. So I don't know. That's why I'm like, I'm very back and forth. And I also right now love just plain white as well, which is a little brighter, but still kind of simple and sleek and so yeah, I'm all over the place. That didn't really answer your question. So to, to oh, answer your question, perfect. I haven't decided, <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> I think uh, um, Aram told us that black is the fastest paint color on a bike. I did mistaken. hear that too. And so maybe that's in the back of my mind as well. I'm <laughs> sure it's splitting hairs, but uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at a certain day, maybe but it matters. You know? it's faster, yeah, right? <laughs> whatever Aram says, I'll do it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he knows his stuff, but and I think that's because it's the idea is that it'll be a little bit hotter, um, mm -hmm. but who knows? Yeah, uh, that's a tough one to track. I don't think that you would get a statistically significant result if we, yeah. if we tried to study that one. <laughs> Probably not. But who knows? You're, you're, we were surprised that you know shaving one's legs made a, a huge difference in the wind tunnel. So yeah, who knows? True. <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, does anybody have any anything else? You have anything else, Derek, or uh, anything anybody wanted to say? If not, we should uh, 
ask or, or ask you, Mitch and Caroline, uh, how other athletes can or people can follow you to follow your journey and, and learn more about you. Yeah, I mean, I think Instagram is uh, yeah. the first place to look. <laughs> you know, my Instagram handle is Mitch underscore A Caroline's is Caroline underscore R cap. <laughs> Pretty Fairly simple. Similar. Our middle initial and then either first three of our last name or his last name. Uh, and then we are looking to potentially jump into the YouTube realm and start <laughs> producing some videos, kind of look deeper into, into what we do on the day to day. Um, I have always been traditionally fairly quiet about my lifestyle and what I do and kind of my personality. So maybe we'll get to see a little, little deeper. Mm -hmm. There is some, there's a lot more. He doesn't show it, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just... well, we can't wait to see the real Mitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got no, it. I, I remember um an action camera so yeah. starting yeah. with that awesome i remember coming down to nashville for the camp last uh was it july i believe and uh meeting mitch for the first time in person you were a lot more witty than than i expected and i loved yeah. it so we can't wait to see more of that for sure yeah when you first meet him he seems very boring and mean <laughs> <laughs> I would not say he's mean. <laughs> I thought he was going to be mean, but <laughs> he's not. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, we'll post the maybe the links to the the handles and does the YouTube channel exist yet? Doesn't exist yet. yet. No. Okay. <laughs> the idea, yeah. <laughs> well, we will broadcast that once it's available. But thanks for hopping on, guys. It was fun chatting with you and. You know, excited to see what 2024 brings, but enjoy the last bit of this uh, transition period, recovery period. Um, and obviously looking forward to ramping back up and racing strong next year. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks guys. See ya.